Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Pentagram, dedicated to Henry Foreman. In the year of the primal war, the war of terrestrial birth, man mastered the mammoth and horse, man was the lord of the earth. The destroying genius of idols will shroud the world with utter lies. Dance the cobbles his abode named Dis, portraits have spoken their master's distress. Icons with kisses, tell me who have seen this, falling Enochian tapestries, depict the prince of fallen virtues in almost poetic rhapsody, masturbate to the sound of the knell, the pathetic stench of dying children, perhaps our fall is uncertain, limbs entwined in absolute contortion. Indeed, my dying bride, Symphonaire lyrics to open episode 133 of Agitators Anonymous, I'm Alan Averill, the singer in a heavy metal band, etc., etc. Sorry, etc. And this is episode 133, and this is the long overdue episode of the podcast about doom, death, metal. And what better way to open the podcast with some My Dying Bride lyrics? I'll get to them later. But if you've tuned in to find out about the end of the world, well, I suppose in some level, this is the kind of music that is perfect for it. Um, There is no solution uh, today offered by me for the war in Ukraine or climate change. It might have to wait until next week. So as long as the world and you can survive the weekend. Today, we're going to discuss Doom Death. That's two episodes in a row. If you've been listening to Tuesday's bonus podcast that have just been about music. But look, what the hell? What do you want? Um, But this podcast kind of goes pretty It dovetails quite neatly with the podcast, Are We Living Too Fast for Slow Music? So this is the kind of follow on from what that was going to be, because I almost, almost discussed and went into the whole doom death thing there. But, or did I say death doom? Huh, who knows? Doom death. That's what this is about. Anyway, so you can follow me in empty angle underscore primordial or primordial underscore official. If you want to get updates about the band on the second one, for the first one, it's just generally dumb pictures 
um, of my rather dull and uninspiring life. But there you go. What are you going to do? That is the nature of Instagram. Um, so, like I said, I have no solution to the war today or to climate change or whatever else. Um, but this is the Doom Death podcast. And it's very strange because what happened to this style, um, this style, particularly music, it was once massive. I mean, we can look back at metal on almost all fronts and say, oh, back in the day, it used to be this, that and the other. And that's probably true. Um, some of you may follow this guy on YouTube who does this punk rock MBA thing. Uh, Finn McKinty, I think his name is, which might be a strange segue to mention, but he does constantly these videos. What happened to such and such? And the answer is, um, you know, he goes, what happened to, you know, techno death? Or actually, that's not true. He would go, what happened to metalcore? What happened to new metal? What happened to this? And the answer is what happened to anything is almost exactly the same. Is that things reached their physical sales peak, um, you know, 20, 25 years ago. And every sort of scene generally goes through some um, realignment where one could say, well, you know, the black metal bands used to sell 200,000 copies and now they can barely sell two. Well, that's the same with everything. And that's the story of doom death metal is a really strange and odd one. But I think in terms of metal and the sort of microcosm of, um, that heavy metal is, this doom death story is one of the strangest and also one of the most unusual in that it has come in for almost very little reassessment, reappreciation, or even rebirth, so to speak. Um, even though I came across today, a, um, well, the last two days, a Spotify playlist which of Doom Death, which is I've now saved onto my own, um, you know, under my own, I guess, profile. Um, if any of you have, are having a hard trouble, hard time finding it, but I'll get to that <clears throat> with tons of new bands. But the story of Doom Death could be encapsulated in the principle that, for example, Paradise Lost went from making um, their debut album in 1990 to headlining Dynamo Festival literally in five years, um, all on the back of this musical genre. And then it sort of disappeared. Um, very, very strange. And it never came in for the same reassessment, for example, that 70s style doom metal did via Electric Wizard. Um, or whether black metal did with the, you know, the, the, I guess, the third wave of black metal in the late 90s. It, it never became a cool and sexy thing. So I'm going to try and dig into that. I'm going to talk about having recorded an album in the old Academy Studios myself, what that was like, and get to a rough top 15 or top 20 um, of my, you know, doom death appreciation. Anyway, like I said, if you listen to my podcast, Are We Living Too Fast for Slow Music, you will kind of understand my opinion uh, why that happened. But there's certainly more to it than that. Um, certainly it points to the metal scene, as I said, being a microcosm of our relationship to music in general, obviously, um, that people do have less of an attention span when it comes to long, slow or doomy music. Now, off the top of the podcast, I quoted some um, lyrics from My Dying Bride. I mean, that song is 12, 13 minutes long, if I remember correctly. And MTV uh, premiered the video uh, at the time, which was a huge thing for not only Peaceful Records, but My Dime Bride, of course, as well, and sort of catapulted their career to another level. Um, but they premiered the whole video. They showed almost all of it, as I remember. Maybe an edit at seven, eight, nine minutes, but they still showed what was incredibly dark and underground um, music at the time. I mean, most of the time, Headbangers Ball was, whether it was showing, you know, Biohazard, Metallica, Man of War, Warrior Soul, whatever, Skid Row, My Dime Bride? But there it was. And they did a special 
um, a special live show. I think it was at the gates, My Dying Bride and Anathema, live together somewhere in the north of England. Um, and they had live clips from all the bands. This huge, huge news at the time. MTV could break bands in the in, in the USA and in the UK and in Europe. At the time, it was so huge. You could be sure that in the Peaceville offices the next week, there was a massive spike in sales because of that airing of Symphonaire. And it was kind of one of the first times where doom death had kind of poked its head above the parapet and people outside of the underground began to see this um, incredibly dark and consuming kind of music. But there hasn't really been a sort of scene reassessment of doom death. 70s occult style doom, Fair enough. Um, but why not doom death? I mean, let's say the thing, you know, speak the thing that should not be. But is it simply that doom death is just not as sexy? That you can't play dress up and be a witch or warlock of Instagram and show off your bangs and occult jewellery like you can do with 70s um, occult style doom? Kind of possibly. I mean, every scene that un- needs to undergo a certain form of modern reinvention has to have a sort of optical side to it. And I think it has to have something about it that appeals to um, everybody, um, you know, both sides of the gender divide or whatever. And there's just something about doom death that just never quite um, straddled, um, just sort of straddled those things. It just sort of got left behind, left by the wayside, left stuck in 1992 or 93. And it is really quite strange. Is it just that doom death is a kind of deeply unsexy form of um, you know of, of subgenre, I don't know. Let's get into it. But I think it does have something to do with that. I think it's a kind of unattractive option. Um, it's a kind of unattractive option optically, and in a very optical modern world, where um, you can see clearly um, if you go on Instagram, and you will find let's say the uh, optic algorithm for black metal is much more profound than death metal. And that's um, based purely on, you know, the theater of black metal, the visuals of black metal, all that kind of thing. And it just attracts more people in an optical world, as I said, and especially a world that seems to have less and less time for slow unfolding songs of the kind of dark nature that embody doom death metal. You could look at Electric Wizard and go, well, how do people get into this? This is very fucked up, especially things like Dope Throne, Let Us Pray. But there was so something, there was a smack of the devil, something um, something extra cool, a whiff of brimstone about the likes of Electric Wizard that, of course, um, were super attractive. And I mean, look, a great band. But it kind of was something different. It was something different to um, what a sort of nascent no, I nascent is not the right word, a kind of dying doom death scene had. It's an oddly unattractive option um, that has its ground zero in Yorkshire, not that London. Well, almost Yorkshire, but certainly the north of England. Um, and I suppose I should preface this by discussing the north of England. I mean, um, it's a kind of fitting place for um, doom death, for doom metal, for goth. I mean, this is where the Industrial Revolution started, the dark satanic mills of progress, as the poem goes. And these are sort of um, cities that reach their industrial peak 
in those eras and by 1980 Thatcher had sort of ripped the guts out of and they can be depressing and glooming, gloomy places. Um, there are, of course, incredible parts of incredible beauty to it, whether it's the Yorkshire Dales or the Moors or the Lake District or the Pennines, um, just to name a couple off the top of my head. Um, you know, this is also the home of UK goth. You've got Whitby, you know, it's got Sisters of Mercy, Fields of the Nephilim, um, among many, many others. There's a huge musical um, scene that surrounds, you know, Manchester, Liverpool. I mean, you're talking about everything from the Beatles to the Smiths, whatever. We don't need to go into all the bands, Joy Division. Or I mean, the list is endless. But there is an air of melancholy, an air of gloom, an air of a sort of um, feeling of decay around all of those cities, at least especially going there in the late 80s, early 90s. But we used to go there sometimes to see gigs in the early 90s to um, to Bradford and um, to the uh, Bradford Rios from Dublin. You were able to get a ferry across to Liverpool and go across there. And Promodial's first ever tours, our first shows were, um, you know, our first shows were in Manchester and Liverpool back in the day. But they were, and I could see echoes of the same thing in Dublin, of course, but Dublin didn't have the same industrial history. It also didn't have the same medieval history where you could see um, cathedrals sort of yeah, um, covered covered in the pollutive dust of the wear and tear of a city for hundreds of years. There's These are cities with huge unemployment, um, massive, um, you know, tons of people emigrated away from them, Irish people emigrated to them. And um, there's a sort of air when you're in Yorkshire. There's a kind of melancholic, tragic air to everything. The people have an incredible sense of humor. I really love being in that region, but you couldn't call it, you couldn't call the cities um, anything really. But you would take Birmingham, for example. There's an, there's an oppressive industrial quality to all of those cities. And then you've got it mixed with incredibly desolate nature. Um, you know, in our heads, when we think of um, the Moors, we think of the Moors murderers, you know, and Myra Hindley and Ian Brady. And there's just something, a sort of tragic air to this um, area of the United Kingdom um, that I think fits perfectly. It's perfectly the reason why Doom Death um, has its sort of spiritual home in Yorkshire. It makes entire, it, enti it entirely makes sense the heart of the Industrial Revolution and also the heart of its collapse. Um, you know, unemployment, all these kind of things all add up to this tone, this sound, that when you first hear Paradise Lost Gothic, it makes sense. It, it totally makes sense if you know Yorkshire that, oh right, this is the music of um, the Moors, whatever you want to say like this, without being too, wild, without waxing too lyrical about it. But where does the phrase come from? I mean, in simple terms, it's just a mixture of doom metal and death metal style vocals um, and the odd up-tempo death metal part in the music. But it's mainly kind of down-tuned doom with death vocals. Does it become doom metal when the vocals become clean? This is the argument. And these are the arguments that, you know, heavy metal nerds, including myself, get into. True doom people, true epic people, true this, true that, true the other. They argue the semantics and split airs about what is and isn't um, do metal. I mean, of all the genres, it's probably the most precious about it. But like I said before, do metal is also kind of metal's soul music, if you want to take it like that. Um, so where does it come from? I think that you take some candle mass, you take some trouble, you take some Sabbath, 
um, and then you kind of slow it down a little bit and then you add death metal vocals. Um, of course, there are other influences in other bands, but if we talk, and let's be semantic here for a moment, Death Doom, then you take the prime mover. Let's take the, the perfect Death Doom album, and that's Autopsy Mental Funeral. Severed Survival is death metal, but for a mental funeral, they, you know, they slowed it down. You've got the guys on the back wearing Trouble t-shirts, and I think that's a big, big signifier. And you can hear Trouble and Candlemas all over Autopsy. Go and listen to Sam Nine or The Skull, especially The Skull by um, Trouble, two of the greatest records ever. But when that opening riff of The Tempter or whatever comes in, you will hear Autopsy without a doubt. Um, but that's Death Doom, right? But they were death metal first. So that kind of puts them in the death metal camp, so to speak. Death Doom is, let's say, Asphyx is Death Doom, especially take a try, take their, um, you know, their first album, The Rack. I would say this is Death Doom and they still have that kind of feeling. Um, but Doom Death, I suppose, this is where we really get, you know, bogged down in the weeds, so to speak. But I think we can take maybe Paradise Lost as maybe the first Doom Death band. You can, you know, hit me up in the comments. And by the way, throughout this podcast, I'm probably going to miss out on things that my memory um, can't dredge up. Bands that were, you know, seminal in 1992 that I've forgotten about. Um, you know, just give it to me in the comments and say, I can't believe you forgot about Disembowelment, for example. Well, thank God I just remembered them. Um, but Frozen Illusion, um, the first... Or is that the second Paradise Lost demo? I think the first one is a little bit is um, Nuclear Abomination or something like this. Anyway, so the demo Frozen Illusion is 89. I think the very first demo is the end of 88, possibly. But the very first Paradise Lost album, um, Lost Paradise, is 1990. And this is kind of ground zero. And this is a, a very, very dark record. Um, Your Savior is on it, for example, which became a kind of mini minor hit. Um, and that's, I think that's sort of ground zero for doom death metal. And like I said, it perfectly fits into the environment it came from, the industrial north. Um, as an odd aside, I think we've got to start off by mentioning Winter Into Darkness, which is also 1990, um, which kind of has more of a Hellhammer, Amoebix, doom death crust vibe to it. Would you call it doom death? Probably. Um, so maybe we can take Winter and Paradise Lost, but I think specifically Paradise Lost as the start. And very quickly after that, you get My Dying Bride. Um, I guess their demo towards The Sinister is 1990. Their very first 7-inch, I think, is maybe 91. But but I think we've got to wait a little while for My Dying Bride. I think My Dying Bride, I think Symphonaire is 92. Like I said, I'm sort of speaking off the top of my head here, so don't be... Don't be too critical. I know that you're all out there sharpening your knives right now. But um, I think also I'm getting kind of, you know, um, too many. My my dull synapses are firing here. You've also got to think Cathedral's incredible demo is a starting point. And Forest of Equilibrium, I think, is late 90. Um, so after Lee, Dorian left Napalm. And we got to give it to Lee in the thanks list of Forest of Equilibrium for being the face that launched a thousand very slow-moving Doom ships. His Dark Passages compilation was essential. Um, if you can try and hunt that one down. But um, were there really that many Doom, ba Doom Death bands on there? Not really. It's more sort of true Doom-ish or Doom-ish. It's mainly regular Doom on for variations on that theme. Um so you can see already I'm getting bogged down here in, in the semantics of the descriptions. But, and you can come at me, as I said, in the comments, but 
it feels like that scene really starts somewhere around 88 to 90, 91 in Yorkshire or so. Like I said, My Dying Bride's demo towards the Sinister comes out in 90. I think Anathema were called Pagan Angel, um, 91 maybe. And the debut EP, EP Symphonera is early 92. So by 92, of course, Paradise Lost have two albums out already. And at least in my opinion, <clears throat> being maybe the first Doom yeah, Death album, like I said, Lost Paradise, I'm not going to mention the big one yet, but you have clustered around the north of England then a whole host of bands around 81. 81, come on, brain. Nine, around 91, embracing the same kind of gloomy sub-death metal sounds. I mean, <clears throat> there are so many to mention, whether it's, uh, of course, Anathema Course of Ruin, Seven Church, Devoid, Esoteric, Unsilence, Chapel of Rest. And there are no doubt more uh, out there, but... um. There, that, there was a, just a glut of this in the whole north of England, a kind of scene coming out all at the same time, perhaps even more uh, popular than regular death metal, so to say. But let's split a few more nerd airs, airs, airs of grace. Let's split a few more nerd hairs before we continue. What's the difference? For example, some people, when I threw out um, you know, the question to a few doomed death aficionados, I got some ale back as an answer. And I went, no, 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 some ale is black metal. No doubt about that. But it's slow black metal. Could it be black doom? Um, but some ale isn't doom death. So as I've seen in other lists, there's no doubt about it. Asphyx, as I said, is death doom. They are a death metal band with some slow parts. Same as Autopsy. But they are not doom death. So... I guess I should discuss Academy Studios in Yorkshire, um, where Primordia was lucky enough to make a few albums. Um, or rather, should I say, we mixed our debut album in Rame in 95 there. I think that story is way, way back, about 100 episodes ago on the podcast. A very crazy um, story where we had to hire a half-inch reel machine. We recorded the album on half-inch reel, which is like, you know, really tiny and obscure on two eight-tracks with no outboard equipment. Um, no delay, no anything like this. We used a guitar pedal for all the effects that you hear on the vocals and the drums. Uh, everything had to be done live because the guy couldn't figure out how to drop in and out of the tracks, etc. But we went to London, uh, hired a half-inch room machine and brought it up on the train with Nihil from the old Cacophonous Records to remix the album in Yorkshire. And that was our first experience of the old Academy Studios. We stayed in a squat, um, beds covered in dirt with no windows. As I said, it's worth a podcast on its own and it's back about 100 episodes ago. I'm not sure how you would find that. But the old Academy Studios, which I think is the spiritual home of all this kind of music, was originally, um, Peaceville was kind of in the next town. Peaceville Records, who are kind of um, seminal to do with Doom Death Metal um, as part of the story. And I think the bands were just sent there. Ref uh, it's as if Hammy from Peaceville just kind of went, okay. Uh, do we know a studio near and had heard of this? And this was originally um, run by an awesome dude called Keith Appelt Appleton. You will see his name, for example, on those early records, um, early Paradise Lost and Modern Bride records. And the assistant engineer was Mags, uh, the immortal Mags, um, who I don't have enough good things to say about and who definitely helped define the career of Primordial in a huge way. But... Um, I was very lucky to, well, lucky or unlucky, depending on how you look at it, on some level, an emotional level, but um, we made Journey's End there in 97, um, and I spent four, four plus weeks um, living in Yorkshire to make that record and being around it then for the mixing. And the old Academy Studios had a really, a, it was a really special place. It was in the middle of the most miserable housing estate you can imagine, uh, opposite 
um, an incredibly um, artery damaging chipper called Bob's Chippy, um, which, you know, if you'd had every day there, you would have been dead within three weeks. But um, the old Academy Studios was just tucked away in a normal residential house in a really gloomy, miserable housing estate. The kind of place that when you went into the local pub, the darts stopped in midair as the locals turned around to stare at you. And it was more a, what the fuck you doing here, son? Um, and you would just quietly back out the door. Um, it was a really, really gloomy place. You know, the kind of place you'd get up in the morning and go round to the local um, Asda, whatever it was, and watch scenes of domestic violence as people punching the shit out of each other. Um, just even trying to go out for a night out if you were there at the weekend. Um, I remember we went to see some gig in Wakefield, I think. Um, Wakefield famous for a, is it a massacre or a murder? Possibly, or am I thinking of Hungerford? I'm not sure. Either way, we went there and like just even leaving the pub to try and get a taxi back across. Uh, I mean, you're just uh, talking about a whole street of, um, you know, just football shirts, fighting, stilettos, blood, glass, kebabs. Um, this, I think, was kind of some things up in the mid to late 90s in some of those areas. Um, really deprived, poor working class areas. And there in the middle of this estate was Academy Studios. You went in and there was a kind of a residential-ish sort of little room with bunk beds on the left up the stairs and you know you have the old analog big control room with the desk and little kind of black and white screens um which were had videos uh cameras down to the basement where you would record um you where the drums and amps were um i think there would there if they'd ever recorded those video screens there would be some incredible footage of um all the old bands recording there back in the day and the atmosphere was, um, you know, the atmosphere was incredible. Mags, of course, hammed it up and um, by telling us all it was haunted and all that kind of stuff. And realistically, you had your little kitchen area where we would sit drinking cans of 30, 40 P beer, um, getting into arguments and fights. Uh, and then you would spend the whole next day recording. It was the first time ever, for example, Mags had come out and given to all of us proper instruments to play with. There was proper amps. But there was definitely a kind of... Um, uh, fusty, musty, obscure sort of feeling in the old academy. It was kind of like as if you were stepping back into 1974. It was dark and gloomy and you could tell this is the place where Gothic came out of or whatever. The second Academy Studios changed a lot and was in um, Keith's back garden, a more residential kind of thing. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And kind of lost that magic, that sort of dark, magical air that you can tell the old Academy had. I don't, I have no clue what's there anymore. I have no idea. But um, we were lucky enough to make journeys in there and take in the sort of atmosphere of the whole area. And maybe on a day trip, um, you know, to try and get out of the city, you drove up to, as I said, <clears throat> the Lake District or the Pennines or the Moors. And they were, of course, strikingly beautiful, but very melancholic, haunting kind of areas. But this, this studio, I think, is the spiritual home of doom death metal. It's certainly where that tone was forged. Um, I only listened to Gothic yesterday by Paradise Lost. Yes, the first mention of what is, I think, the motherlode of all doom death metal. Um, Paradise Lost Gothic. And it segues me, segues me into my top 15, top 20 things to mention. But that tone, that guitar tone, whatever that is, that came from this old Academy Studios. That tone that you hear on Early My Dying Bride. The tone on Pentecost 3 by Anathema. Um, this is, you know, the Keith Appleton still engineering, but Mags kind of waiting in the wings. And then that sort of um, sort of seamless move of Mags to behind the desk was the perfect combination for forging this melancholic, sad, but crushingly heavy sound. And seeing as I've mentioned it, we might as well start that. We might as well start this. My top Doom Death Metal records. I'm going to give a top three. And then I'm just going to go through about another 15 or 20 honourable mentions because I think the top three are really kind of in a class of their own. It's very predictable, but sometimes, you know, cliches are cliches for a reason. Um, so I'm going to give a top three and then the rest are a bit random. They're not, don't take them as fourth, fifth, sixth and seventh or whatever way it is, as if you would or as if that would matter. But number one is Paradise Lost Gothic. Um, without a doubt, I think Paradisos Gothic is probably my top 20 metal album still ever made. And I, and, and I include all forms of metal in that. It's an absolutely genre-defining, groundbreaking record. In fact, the first time I ever heard it, and I'd heard Lost Paradise, and it had made an impression on me. I'd followed it from the demo. Um, but Paradisos Gothic, just that it was called Gothic, because we were all just sort of, we were all just kind of getting to hear of Fields the Nephilim, Sisters of Mercy, and we knew that, okay, that that's goth. Christian death is goth. Um, you know, if, you, if you'd if you got into Into the Pandemonium and you'd followed songs like Mesmerized and then the first time you heard Christian death, you're like, hey, wait, hang on, what? 
that's the same vocal style. And you were beginning to put the building blocks together. But Paradise Lost Gothic just sort of blew the doors open. Um, I, I, I don't know how it is, but there are elements of Sisters of Mercy style goth on it. You've got the lone lead guitar playing the riffs out on top of the super down-tuned rhythm. Um, it's not a solo, it's just like a lead harmony. And it sounds really crazy to say now, but that was kind of revolutionary at the time. I can't really think of other metal that did that, that had like a lead line just moving across like a whole song. And this is this is Gregor McIntosh right there, kind of defined um, a genre with this album. And because you don't really get it on Lost Part, it's not, it's not quite the same way. But Paradise Lost Gothic, I remember getting a split flexi disc of Autopsy, Paradise Lost, and playing it and calling my friend up and going, my God, you got to hear this. This is, I don't even know quite what's going on here. It sounded almost like it was at the wrong speed to my friend. He was just like, is this, should this be a, is this 33? Should it be a 45? Etc. Um, but Paradise Lost Gothic is... Um, the genre defining and I think the greatest Doom Death album and I think most people would more or less agree if you don't know it go back and take a listen it's worth a huge reassessment now Paradise Lost never let the you know the grass grow under their feet and they moved on to different genres they ended up at Host more like Depeche Mode for a while now they have another band called Host um, still good music in that time and then they moved back a bit to Doom Death um, and they just you know did their own thing didn't really answer to anybody, made some daring moves here and there. No problem. Um, we don't own our bands. If you love that early period, you know, we should be thankful there was that early period. But Gothic is the number one. Number two, My Dying Bride. Um, I'm going to say um, As the Flower Withers. But I think the Trinity release of the three EPs, The Symphonaire, uh, I Am the Bloody Earth, and the thrash of naked limbs and put them together with um, the first album. And this also is genre defining a little bit after Paradise Lost, but um, it has a sort of more gothic wordy, as you can tell with the lyrics I read out off the top of the podcast, a more sort of gothic indulged kind of wordy um, deliberately, deliberately romantic sort of feeling to it. Um, but still very dark, very heavy. You've got some undercurrents of like sort of marky, desad style um, sexuality within My Darn Bride. It doesn't really seem to be in Paradise Lost, but there's 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 something very very morose about this. And My Darn Bride, um, I'm not a person who says I only listen to the My Darn Bride until this, that, or the other. Uh, in fact, I really enjoy quite a lot of the new records. Um, I really the Bargest of Whitby, the fully the extended EP that's on uh, online for streaming, I think is brilliant. I love quite often songs here and there and Feel the Misery and other things. Now, they did get into a little bit of a mire somewhere around about 2000 and 2000 or something where I think too many of the albums were recorded um, in the same studio that began to sound a little bit the same, Line of Deathless Kings, etc. Um, but they still had gems hidden in them. Um, they, uh, they've kind of come back into form now. Ghosts of Orion, the last album, is very good. So, you know, that's just kind of how it goes. But My Dying Bride, those early couple of records are absolutely essential. Third, Anathema. 
I would also add before I say anything that having seen My Dying Bride in 92, um, we didn't get Paradise Lost uh, until maybe 94 in Ireland. They were supposed to play in 91 and it got cancelled. But um, I did see most of these bands back in the day. And there was, yeah, there was something, a very sort of innocent, um, well, not innocent, I suppose, virgin territory quality to the whole thing. But Anathema, yeah, I mean, maybe the kind of, you know, the runt of the litter of the of those three bands um, from Liverpool, not from Yorkshire. But definitely Anathema, they were much, they were much younger. If you look on the back of Crestfallen, which is a beautiful, beautiful record, um, that has a sort of almost a kind of slight, slightly awkward um, feeling to it in the sense that you can tell these are young dudes like 15, 16, 17 years old but already masterful melodies. This and Serenades, the album after, um, are just top-notch, top-notch stuff. Um, and they set the, they they paved the way for what became their, I suppose, the, one of their de- defining moments and maybe a Doom Death defining moment and that's Pentecost three. Um, and that could quite easily be, perhaps, at the pinnacle. Um, it could be just after Gothic, perhaps. This is where Anathema had grown up a little bit, got a little bit more confidence. The production is huge. We the gods. My God, what a song. Um, it's just muscular and huge sounding. And they sound confident and they sound as ba- like they're about to take over the world. It's a, it's a, These three bands at this period between, let's say, 90 and 93, 94 could literally do no wrong and they are the top three um, of Doom Death in my opinion Um, you can you know you can argue at me in the comments come at me in the comments bro and then you take a little step and you move to Catatonia Catatonia is a bit more different because if you take Dance of December Souls in the demo the guys were still wearing corpse paint you know, if you watch the YouTube interview I did with Jonas from Catatonia on my YouTube channel, we talk about this. But they were like, they had axes in their band photos, corpse paint, grotesque shirts. It's clear they kind of came from a more sort of black metal Swedish background. But you listen to Dance of December Souls and it owes as much to My Dying Bride and uh, Paradise Lost as black metal, really. The, bla- the, lyric- the vocals are hysterically black metal on that record. In fact, I think a bit too hysterical almost in places. But it's not really until you get to For Funerals to Come, um, the EPs that just came after, um, the band sort of tighten up, but it's Brave Murder Day that is, I think, alongside the ones, the uh, aforementioned. This is the um, another one of the greatest Doom Death records. Um, absolutely seminal. Brave Murder Day, top 20 records of all time or metal records of all time for me. Maybe in at 19 or 20 or 21 or 23, I don't know, but it's it's got to be top 30. Um, so Catatonia. What's interesting about Doom Death, I guess, is that it didn't really take hold in um, Norway and Sweden. There's a few bands here and there, Funeral from Norway, but it never really was a Scandinavian thing. The Finns got it, and I'll get to that. The Finns got it a bit more, but Denmark, Sweden, Norway, didn't really take hold the same way as it didn't really take hold in Germany either there aren't many doom death bands from Germany really that you could mention um, as part of this and you'll see when I get to the rest of my top 10 or top 15 but um, Catatonia without a doubt has to be there Um, next is Cathedral like I said, I talked briefly about it before. You've got to give Lee Dorian a huge amount of credit for opening up so many great bands to everyone, to all of us. Um, top bloke as well. Um, and the Cathedral demo is is, is a classic, um, if you can track that down. And of course, Forest of Equilibrium, um, Ebony Tears, um, all that kind of stuff. This is the Cathedral demo. Let me think. Um, it is... 
In memoriam. That's it, isn't it? Yes, it is. More morning of a new day. Um, neophytes of the Serpent Eve. Yeah, I mean, look, it's there's just so many great moments on that early cathedral. Um, so they will be fifth in my list. Now, here is where it kind of gets a little bit different. Um, the Gathering, always. The Gathering is an interesting band. And like Paradise Lost, they went on to become... Well, I mean, Cathedral were huge as well. we got to mention... They were selling tons of records. Well, you know, my dying bride were playing super late uh, at festivals, headlining things. Um, Anathema went on to sell tons of records. All these bands that I'm just mentioned went on to sell the guts of a hundred thousand albums. Paradise lost up to four or five hundred thousand of some records. Um, they all came from this super obscure, um, dark, gloomy sound. Modified it a bit, changed. I mean, in the case of the Gathering, changed a lot. Got it, you know, out with the male vocals, in with the female vocals and changed very drastically, but still had some element of that, um, you know, that sort of tragic riffing still um, remaining. Not, a, you know, I was never a big gathering fan, but always to me now sounds a little bit dated with its um, strange keyboard bits, but you've got to put the gathering always in as a kind of seminal doom death record. And Holland kind of had a sort of doom death scene Um in a way that Germany didn't. You've got Sempaternal Death Rain, of course, which I can't mention without the tracksuit on the back. You know what I mean if you know the record. Threnody, you've got, of course, The Gathering, Sad Whisperings, Phlebotomized. For whatever reason, the Dutch, um, you know, got a hold of Doom Death and tried to take it their own way. It wasn't as dark as the English version. It was a little bit more keyboardy, a little bit more light. There was more sort of female vocal stuff going on. Um, I, to be honest, not as good. Um, overall, but there's some cool songs and definitely The Gathering always, you should probably add that to your investigation of this. Um, Decomposed from London, one of the few bands from the South who I'm going to add in there. I used to write with them. In fact, Primordial did a little tour with them along with um, Fifth Dominion, Arcane Sun, Corpse from Scotland with a K back in 94 maybe um, of the of Ireland. Um and decomposed oh, Ego Sumlex Mundi demo was pretty cool, but the Funeral Obsession EP is a big record. Their album Hope Finally Died looked like crap, shitty logo. It kind of disappeared and the band disappeared. Um, but the Funeral Obsession, I think, has been re-released now and it is really good, dark, doomed death metal. If you like Grave Miasma now, you'll hear elements of Grave Miasma within that, I think. Um, Morning Beloved, our very own... Um, Morning Beloved uh, you know you've got to mention also Graveyard Dirt if you don't know Graveyard Dirt they deserve a big mention um, but the Irish got Doom Death the gloom of Doom Death spoke to us we had some of the same landscapes some of the same history um, you know the history of migration between Ireland to places like Liverpool and um, the sort of industrial decay and the feeling of unemployment and the general air of gloom in Ireland in the 1980s um, early 1990s was shared with these cities in the north of England. And we just got it. We got it. Um, and Morning Beloved were our answer to it. Um, I would say my favourites are split between Sol and Sulcus and the album Formless. Um, but they're still at it now. And the last album, Rust and Bone, is um, also great. Definitely, um, I think you cannot mention Doom Death without talking about them. Um, I'm going to throw a curve curveball in here and that's Septic Flesh, Mystic Places of Dawn. Um, mainly just for just such killer riffing 
Um, I really, really liked this record at the time. Holy Records from France had quite a lot of bands in this genre, like Nightfall, Prayed Into Centuries, who, you know, verged into Doom Death. Um, okay, the drum machine, I get it. And the vocals, why do they need to be pitched down? Um, which, which they still are. I, I still don't get it. But however, Mystic Places of Dawn has a kind of Greek feeling, um, you know, take on the Doom Death. And I think... It's just a personal, it's a personal favourite of mine. Um, Winter Into Darkness, I mentioned already. I'm going to mention something newer now, and that is something I think is almost, or almost as good, and could be put in the same bracket, you know, as the classics. And that's Ruins of Beverast from Germany, one of the only bands from Germany answering the call of doom death. But um, Fowler Seaman of a Sheltered Elite um, is an absolutely stunning record. Um it's, you know, top five in this genre, if I was to make one. Um, Ruins of Beveras. And they're one of the only kind of newer bands that I'm really... Even though lots of the bands are still going, I'm going to mention. Um, this is, you know, the project of one man, um, who I know quite well. <clears throat> and this is music that comes out of a dark place, that comes out of a certain mindset. Um, and there's a kind of swamping darkness to Ruins of Beveras. Go and see them live and you'll get exactly what I mean. This is heavy, heavy stuff. Next, Disembowelment from Australia. Um, Australia gave us Mournful Congregation and a few other bands um, into this, um, you know, into the general doom, death, morass. But Transcendence into the Peripheral, I suppose, is 1993. So it's one of the earlier um, outside UK and Europe um, additions to this discussion. I would say, well, obviously winter or American, but you've got to put disembowelment from Australia in there. Um, it starts off like, um, I suppose, like Modern Bride style death metal and then gets a little bit different. Um, they made some records after that, but the very first one, I think, is essential to the discussion. Next on my list, Morgion. Morgion um, from Solinari. And I mean, there, there are two records as Morgion. I think there's two. Um, Crowned in Earth, something or other in Ash or whatever. I should have looked that up, shouldn't I? But Morgion, um, again, American sort of book in the trend of this kind of being a European style of music, um, which I suppose I shouldn't really say because when you think about it, you also have the majestic Evoken, um, who I don't think you could have this discussion without mentioning Evoken. But Morgion, I pr kind of preferred a little bit more. Solinaria has got crushing down-tuned dismembered guitar sound and that old boss heavy metal pedal style. Definitely Solinari, check this one out. Track it down. Next. Next. I'm kind of rushing a bit because I feel that I've been waffling on and I'm going to test your patience here. Thurgothon, or Thurgothon. Thurgothon from Finland. Um, this is a very, very special band. Their demo, Fnan, Gan, Siog, Sothoth, whatever <laughs> you want to call it, um, was one of the most dark records back in the time. This was Funeral Doom, I guess. What's Funeral Doom, I hear you ask. Um, well, I suppose f Funeral Doom is um, like Doom Death, Death Metal, only slower, even like with no up-tempo parts. Who is Funeral Doom, uh, you ask me? Well, I guess Thurgothon is the epitome of Funeral Doom and Streams, of, um, Streams from the Heavens is the classic record. Somewhere from about 95 uh, with super brutal vocals, pure miserabilism. Um, in fact, it's been re-released on vinyl and CD, I guess, maybe. I don't know. I only have the old CD. I must try and find out. I used to have a T-shirt somewhere, gone, like many of my 
many, not many, but some of my old shirts, which I'm quite upsets me. But Thurgothon, the Finns, the Finns understood this sound. Even bands like Abhorrence and Demolich, um, they and Convulse, they had the they had death doom to them, you know. But Thurgothon is like funeral doom, unholy. Um, there's no this list would not be complete without unholy. One of my very very favorites from the shadows. And the second Ring of Power. And I'll even go to the third album. Um, this is more like Black Doom, I suppose. Maybe it shouldn't really be on the list. I mean, their, their, their photo, their band pick on the inside of From the Shadows is one of the most seminal. Um, one of the most seminal um, and uh, striking band photos of the time. It should be revered as a black metal high point optically. Um, but do they belong in this list? I'm not sure. I, them and Shape of Despair, Shape of Despair, I... Um, you love unreservedly and um, their last two albums I think are absolutely incredible but again are they funeral doom hard to say I mean I have honourable mentions Chorus of Ruin Mournful Congregation um, like I said Pantheist Until Death Overtakes Me Catacomb um, there are once I started to dig into this um, I started to get so many memories of all these great demos and bands from the 90s but also it became clear to me that um, Doom Death hasn't really gone away, you know. <laughs> what it has turned into is something a slightly bit different to where it was 30 years ago. It's clear that um, looking around on the internet and listening to lots of bands now, um, as I have been for the last few days trying to um, get my head around doing this podcast, the current crop of Doom Death bands um, has mainly like swampy, fetid-looking and squiggly logos it's all coming out of sort of the states it's very down-tuned sludgy death metal and it owes a lot to this old um doom that style but somehow you don't see it being mentioned often but it seems to have more sometimes in common with sort of i hate god or um there is very little in terms of um melodic tragic kind of singing lead guitar bits on it it's all very just down-tuned sludgy grimy kind of stuff it's missing some of the romanticism some of the tragic beauty of that early 90s stuff and also i think the um the way into some other kind of musical growth i don't feel it's there with this stuff there's some great bands i mean looking at the names in this um just reeling off a few names mortiferium malignant altar um Foul, Carcinoid, Charnel Altar, Desecracy, Incoffination, Autophagy. You kind of get the clue from the name. It's all kind of sub-incantation style, down-tuned riffing. And it resides in this sort of, as I said, swampy, less melodic, down-tuned, super-down-tuned death metal mire, like swimming through molasses and manure. Um, As I said, far less of the melancholic and tragic, which is kind of what I loved. And you can't quite see these bands moving into clean vocals and heading to places the old bands did but maybe that's what we see looking backwards things are so instant now it's hard for bands to I think plan a career or a way onto a, another stepping stone which might you know you, you could see that sort of chart that growth that happened with my dying bride or Pardis Lost I mean like I said you take a band like Pardis Lost who went from Frozen Illusion demo to six seven years ago later headlining Dynamo still with great music and I do, but I don't think this is an option <laughs> so I have no doubt that somewhere in North Carolina um, undeath and chthonic deity supported by worm ridden are playing a show in a basement to 50 people and killing it and hopefully there's somewhere for this music to go and grow and more people start to reassess it and like I said if you're a Ruins of Beverest fan and you've never listened to Symphonair um, by My Dying Bride 
um, go and do it because you'll see the connection straight away. You'll it, it'll just click and you'll go, oh fuck yes. And I mean, I've sat in parties, you know, sat in parties. God, come on, Avril. I've been at parties, um, you know, and sat there, you know, flicking through somebody's vinyl, and I've said to somebody, I've said, so I see Pentagram, and I hate God, an autopsy. And, you know, whatever. But do you have Paradise Lost Gothic? And they look at you with 10 heads because they just, um, it's just not connected with sort of younger people in the metal scene. This whole, the reassessment of this genre of something like Crestfallen or Pentacross 3. And then you play We the Gods or, you know, and it blows people's minds. And that's, if you haven't found a place for Brave Murder Day um, in amongst all this kind of listening, there's something, um, something is not connecting, you know. And also, just before we click the stop button, I got to say, at one stage, Doom was in this very healthy place in the mid 2000s. There was Doom over Vienna, Doom over Berlin, Doom over Doom Shall Rise, Doom over this, Doom over Doom over Dublin. There were lots of Doom festivals, and they all kind of fell by the wayside. Um, and did Doom kind of pass the baton onto these underground, sort of American swampy down tune bands, the sort of incantation style riffing away from traditional Doom bands? It kind of seems like maybe that's what happened. I think it's time for a reevaluation of the um, idea of doom death, of the scene, of some of these big albums. Um, hopefully there's some names in there that you didn't know that have made sense to you. Uh, I know I've forgotten some. Please don't, uh, you know, come at me going, yeah, what about um, Cyanide or uh, October Tide or Seven Church or, you know, I get it. I get it. I get it. Anyway, my friends, Doom Death Metal is a scene um, that's worth reinvestigating, reassessing and um, enjoying once, uh, you know, if you haven't experienced all these bands, there's so much there to discover. Um, I'm going to try and make a Spotify playlist of my top 20 or 25 songs, maybe. But there is a great one. As I said, just look it up. Doom Death Metal on Spotify. It's great. I mean, it does miss some of the bands that I've talked about, the more melodic bands, but it's there. So, Doom Death Metal. Check it out. I'm Alan Averill. This is Agitators Anonymous, episode 133. We shall see you next week, my friends, if the world makes it through the weekend. And I will work on a um, an answer for the war and climate change, and I'll have them ready for you on Tuesday, maybe Friday at the latest. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.